listening to My Diversion, the entertainment podcast hosted by Tom and Josh. Find us on the web at MyDiversion.com. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of My Diversion. Glad you all could make it. Go ahead and have a seat or go ahead and keep walking on or keep on doing that treadmill thingy or riding the exercise bike. Nice job. Keep it up, dude. You're doing great. Or chick, you're doing great. Keep it up. Yeah, welcome back to episode 8 of My Diversion. Uh, Welcome back as always, Josh. What's up, man? I'm just wondering who all you're talking to because... All the people it's just, that have it's just it's just me and you right now. Though. All all the people that have us plugged into their ears because this is kind of creepy when you really think about it. That yeah, it is just me and you right now. But dude, later there's going to be people listening. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say anything that you don't want any people anybody to listen to because they okay. will they will be listening to later, dude. Okay. All right. So. Uh, this episode is going to be pretty freaking awesome, I'd have to say. I mean, most of the episodes have been awesome. Um, so I haven't been so awesome. But this one's going to be awesome. Episode, the Tron episode. No, the Tron episode was awesome. Um, I have statistics that I've made up to prove it. <laughs> you made up. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're going to do our normal segment episode. Uh, I don't know if we're going to hit on four ep- segments or not. It depends on how things go. Because uh, some of the things that we want to talk about, I'm not sure we're going to be able to squeeze into our 15-minute regular routine. So we'll have to see how it goes. But the goal is is we're going to reg- do our regular segments. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Douglas Preston Lincoln Child at the beginning. The authors that have written the Pendergast series and some other standalone books and their own solo books. But we're going we're gonna to touch on them because we just both finished the, their newest novel called Cold Vengeance which is it was sweet hey don't okay you gotta hold up and we'll we'll give our review uh, this, that's gonna be book 11 in the Pendergast series it's also book 2 in the Helen trilogy and we're also gonna touch on the Pendergast extravaganza that they both had in uh, Phoenix, Arizona uh, a little while back which we watched which we watched live. Oh, by the way, this is. I, we really should be giving dates, as I as I learned from some feedback, since we're doing some like recent stuff. So this this is actually August of 2011. <laughs> Just as a heads up, for those of you that are that are listening in the future, time travelers that are listening to this in the future, uh, <laughs> this is August of 2011. Anyhow. All right, not enough disclaimers. Okay, so the first segment, we'll do Preston Child, talk about some Pendergast stuff. Second segment, we're going to do some movie reviews, some movies that I've watched, some movies that Josh has watched. And our third segment will be about The Hunger Games. Suzanne Collins is the author there. Uh, I've actually read and or listened to all three of the books. Josh has just finished book one. He's started or just going to start book two. Just going to start it. So, and that one's called Catching Fire or Catching on Fire. What's it called, dude? Do you know? I don't know. 
Okay, it's book two of the Hunger Games by <laughs> Suzanne Collins, <laughs> and then uh, book three was uh, Mockingjay. So I know that one for some reason. I can't remember book two, but anyhow. So let's get started. In segment one. Douglas Preston Lincoln Child, uh, debatably the best uh, authors in the United States or in the world for that matter. Amen, brother. Samuel Johnson was once asked by someone, do you have any advice for the young writer? And Johnson answered, yes, I do. Find those phrases in your work that you think are particularly well turned and cut them out. And that's what Link does. If he says to me, this is absolute garbage, after I've gotten really upset and called him a few names, I actually come around to realizing he's right. We used to call ourselves an old married couple, you know, fighting and squabbling all the time. We sort of matured into, a, I don't know, a couple of old war buddies, basically, who, who've been through the trenches together for so long that I can start a sentence and Doug can finish it, and that carries over into the way we write. Our styles emerge to the point where if he has to go out of town for a week and I have to take a chapter for him, he can trust me to write it, and it'll sound just like he wrote it, because our joint books, um, I think, are totally homogenous. When you guys write your solo books, do you consider that sort of part of the same universe as the Pendergast books? No, we, we reference, like, little tongue-in-cheek, you know, references, you know, to, like, some character reading a book by... Yeah, I like uh, to, in, in my yeah. solo books, I like to have some character reading Link's late, latest book and, and, and enjoying it. Right. It's usually the worst, most evil, most sick, twisted character in my book who will be reading Link's book <laughs> and saying, boy, this is a good book. The way Cemetery Dance opens is one of our most favorite, cherished heroes, that is, Doug and my heroes, um, is brutally murdered in the first chapter of the book. The videotapes, surveillance tapes of the apartment house he lives in capture the killer leaving with a bloody knife. The guard and the doorman outside see him go by. All the neighbors can identify him. The problem is this person died two weeks before. So the question for Pendergast is how do you catch or bring to justice somebody who died who was already dead? And that seemed to us like a perfect, gothic, bizarre, twisted case for our twisted gothic bizarre minds and Agent Pendergast. A lot of great art is created by partnerships. I mean, some of the best movies ever made were written by three, four, five screenwriters. The, the times that Lincoln and I have absolutely come to loggerheads over something, a scene where Link says it's got to be done this way, I say it's got to be done that way, we have actually solved that problem by simply finding a third way. And that third way is always better. We write the kind of books we would like to read ourselves. We're voracious readers of popular fiction, of 19th century English fiction. Readers are very intelligent, and they know if you're writing just to cynically try and sell copies, or if you're really writing to entertain. We try and tailor every chapter to end at just the right cliffhanger. We try and make sure our heroes and our heroines are put through just the kind of danger that makes people's heartstrings just, you know, thrum. And I think readers pick up on that. Um, we've been huge fans of them 
for a long time. Um, we haven't been, we haven't gotten started with them like from 1995 when their first book, The Relic, came out. But when did we, when did we first kind of stumble on these guys? You remember? Um, well, for me, you stumbled on them way before me, and you kept telling me, "Dude, you got to check these out. You got to check these out." And I'm like, ah, "I'll get to it when I'm ready." No, I'm and, a loser. I don't want to. I don't want to get in. Well, stuff. okay. A little background here. Tom tells me to check out all these really awesome things, right? <laughs> and I say, "Give me some time to get around to checking out all these awesome things because are they still making it? Yeah, okay. Well, let's get a whole bunch done so that I don't have to slow down and wait. No, Tom wants me to have to wait like the rest of you suckers and." It drives me nuts because now Thank I'm caught up with almost everything, and it, it sucks. I, I'm already done with Cold Vengeance. It's only been out for, what, a week, week and a half, something like that? If I, that. if I recall right, you actually finished Cold Vengeance before I did, and we both started around the same time. But for it's, some not re- my, it's not my fault that somebody else wants to go home <laughs> early from work. <laughs> you were like, dude, I'm going to sprint through this thing, and I'm going to beat him. And I'm like, oh, dude, have you finished it yet? Twice. So. Yeah. Yeah, you, anyway, you actually you went through it twice. Eh? That's yeah, right. yeah. Um, but so no, for me, I think what back in what two thousand six. I don't remember. One? I honestly don't remember what year it was. Yeah, I think I think it was oh six because their. I know that their newest book coming out at the time was uh, Cemetery Dance that wasn't quite out yet. The book that I remember starting off with was uh, Book of the Dead was actually. Um, it just got released into uh, paperback because Will of Darkness had not been out yet when I started. Right. So, because that, because like I mentioned before, I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast. I actually, the very first Preston Child book I read was Book of the Dead. Yeah. Now, so hang on before you start <laughs> trashing. No, come on, man. Because <laughs> I'll do it for you. You can pile on later. Yeah, I know. Uh, for any of you guys that know anything about series books and, and the way storylines go and reoccurring characters and stuff like that, Book of the Dead is is book... I don't know what book it is in the Pendergast series. It's kind of early. It's probably it's book... book three s- of the Diogenes trilogy. Well, yeah, it's book three in the trilogy, but it's it's book like... It's book three in the best th- trilogy since the Helen trilogy is not done yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I started that book and... I have to admit, I, there was a lot of it that I was confused, but I actually really got into it, even if it ruined the Diogenes trilogy more or less for me. But uh, I went back, and actually, how did it work? Okay, so I did the Book of the Dead the first, and then I went and got Brimstone, and then I did that one. And then I'm like, okay, these are really, really good. And then I went to the Relic and Reliquary and Still Life and Cabinet or Cabinet and then Still Life and then then after I did those then I did Dance of Death <laughs> and then I did Book of the Dead again so so <clears throat> when when Tom got me into this cause you know Tom's this really cool guy that wants me to like oh, thanks, he man. likes you know, no problem <laughs> but really cool guys don't always give you things in the order you're supposed to listen to them so did he start me with Relic oh no 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 do you start with Brimstone Okay, so I, well, I, I wanted, I wanted to, hey, but I, I wanted to lead you off in the best trilogy there is. So what's wrong with that? Okay, so he leads me off with Brimstone. I get done with Brimstone. I'm like, dude, this is really good, but how come it? It seems like he's already met like some of these people before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. because there's these books it's, before yeah. it. 
Yeah. There's books before it. Why didn't you just start me at the beginning? So, man? Did, so did you? So did you start at the beginning after Brimstone? Yes, and then I actually listened. I listened to them all in the correct chronological order. See, that's the that's the one thing. Um, if you go on to like uh, PrestonChild.com, that is their website, right? It is. Yeah, you go on there, and it people have asked them in questions. You know, is there a specific order I'm supposed to read the books? <laughs> they actually say no. They write all their books to stand alone. I cry bullshit because <laughs> there are there yes some of their books do stand alone but you cannot sit there and go yeah go ahead and read Reliquary then go ahead and read Relic and then right after you're done yeah. with Relic go listen to Will of Darkness uh, and then after you're done with Will of Darkness why don't you come back and listen to Brimstone <laughs> okay. it, it doesn't really work that you, way okay you make a point you make a good point there Relic and Reliquary are it's like part one and part two right uh, and you, yeah you kind of have to. Like you can read Relic as a standalone, but if you want to continue on, you really should finish Reliquary because it is just part two of Relic. Well, and then when you get to the Diogenes trilogy, you better listen to that all in order. Yeah, the Diogenes and, and, trilogy. And I'm sorry, you can't start with Cemetery Dance and then go back and listen because well, it won't make any sense. Because you're like, wait a minute, didn't that guy? Well, I'm giving spoilers here, but didn't that guy? He's not in these. What's going on? Well, in okay, cemetery. Okay, this is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Cemetery dance, will of darkness, cabinet of curiosities, still life with crows. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. Yeah, but what I'm saying those is, are those are all standalone books. I I feel sure. I feel sure. pretty comfortable but, in saying if you guys want to read standalone books, any of those you're fine with. Okay, but check this out. So, do you want to go and read cemetery dance, and then do you want to go and read cabinet of curiosities? I don't. I know what you're trying to say. Okay. <laughs> I know what the point is you're getting at because because so high, high profile character. All three gets of killed. you. All three of you. When we get you to finally agree and listen or read read these books, listening is awesome because Scott Brick does some of them and Renee Bergenois does some of them. Right. They're awesome. And to tell you the truth, that's how me and Tom do pretty much all of our audio books. Pretty much. Yeah. We listen because we're we're working all day. We might as well listen to them. We do own them. Tom was really cool. He got me a copy of. Uh, of Book of the Dead, which makes me happy. Well, and eventually, within I think sooner than later, we're all going to end up with all the hardbacks as well. Right. So. Well, <laughs> and, like, and I, I, I ordered I ordered Cold Vengeance from Poison Pen. It should be here in the next I don't know three weeks. Whenever well, they you say so you still haven't gotten that yet. No, they said they shipped it. I'm just waiting for it. Come on, I'm really stoked for it. But I thought I'd have it quicker than this. But you know, so that means I own all of them so far for the Helen trilogy. No, we like to buy books, but. We like to do most of our stuff listening because we're lazy. Oh, so. and and you also have uh, most or all of them on ebook, right? On your phone? Uh, actually, the only one I don't have on ebook on my phone is Cold Vengeance, okay. which I will get. I will get. Yeah, I'll give all my money to Douglas Preston Lincoln Child. <laughs> They're all like left over after George Lucas took it from me. Yeah, I was just going to say. So these are the authors of your George Lucas, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, now that we've kind of done enough of that, let's let's go ahead and uh, I, I'm sure I think we actually reviewed Fever Dream in a past po- podcast. I can't recall right, um, but uh, I I have to reiterate: if any of you guys are going to read Cold Vengeance, you have to read Fever Dream first. The, these for some reason these trilo- this trilogy is very similar to the Dogenes trilogy, but even more so. I mean, because Cold Vengeance literally picks up right after Fever Dream. So if you started Cold Vengeance and hadn't read Fever Dream, you will definitely be lost. Well, isn't it... I mean, it is. it does pick up right after it, but isn't it like two months still? 
There might be a I small was, break, but it's, it but it's very, sh- yeah, it's it's a very short break. It's not like right. several years or whatever. It's it's a very short time period. It, it picks up where they're talking about what they were going to go do right after, right at the end in the epilogue, and it starts off right what they were going to do. They were going to go hunting together. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so uh, I would. Okay, so I can't remember if you reviewed... Why don't we just give a quick little review of Fever Dream, and then we'll give a review of Cold Vengeance. I, I feel like because that's probably most appropriate, because in the end, these three books are really going to be how we're going to refer to like the Diogenes trilogy. They're really one story, one book, because right. you can't read book two or three. got to read either one or none. you gotta, you got to start from the beginning and work your way through. So... Uh, start us off with with a quick one through ten grading of Fever Dream, and then give us a rating of Cold Vengeance and some of your thoughts, dude. From best-selling authors Preston and Child, Special Agent Pendergast is on the trail of his wife's killer, but nothing is what it seems. Read the summer's hottest thriller, Cold Vengeance. Okay, uh, Fever Dream. Um, I give it a nine. Um, I would have gone higher, but. Uh, the villain in it, it just isn't quite as uh, badass as Diogenes was. See, you're comparing so, it to Diogenes. Ah, but the thing is, is this is a trilogy. It's 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 good. It's I'm just all right. All right, fair enough. Diogenes trilogy has a special little place in my heart. So. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I give it a nine. Um, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed it. You want me to go right into Cold Vengeance? Yeah, so so you really liked it, um, mm-hmm. Fever Dream. Um, yeah, and then just give us Cold Vengeance, yeah. All right, and then, uh, so Cold Vengeance. Uh, 9.5. It, it's getting intense, people. I'm I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I, I think the only way they can top this is, you know, obviously with the 10. <laughs> so bring on book three, Helen book three. Can't wait for it. So really enjoyed it. Um like I said, the bad guy. We're not giving any spoilers in it. We're not going to do any spoilers, so we'll we'll try we'll try not to. If it's if if we yeah. end up doing spoilers, it's unintentional. I promise. And if it we we will flag it so you guys know. Yeah, we have a we have a great spot. We really really respect Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. We don't want to ruin any of their stuff. So remind so remind me, have you given a ten to any of Preston Child books? Didn't I give a ten to? Uh, yeah, didn't I give a ten to Dance of Death? Okay, was if there not, any, was, I, if not, I give a ten to Dance of Death. Okay, was, is there any other books that you give a ten to? I give a ten to everything in the in the Diogenes trilogy. So, no Dance of Death and uh, really, it's just solid ten straight across the board. That was an awesome, awesome trilogy. I'd actually argue some of the best books ever written. Okay. All right, so I'll I'll just go ahead with Fever Dream. I think Fever Dream was probably an eight, pushing nine. I, well, you know, yeah, I'll go eight point five. It it was really good, and I have to say, at least the first half of the book, I was so thrilled because how this book starts off is is uh, it actually takes you way back in Pendergast's life. That's really a big mystery or unknown because. Right from the very beginning of the series in Relic, he only Pendergast only mentions real briefly that he used to be married at one point and his wife died in a tragic hunting accident. And Fever Dream actually picks up where that story 
is kind of shrouded in mystery. And it, and Pendergast goes back in time and has to research the killing of his wife in the hunting accident and then uncovers a whole mess of problems. And that's where well, he doesn't he doesn't go back in time. Well, okay, he, yeah, he, he goes back the in authors history. Take us, the authors take us back in time. Yeah, so he, he's re, yeah, he's reliving the events and it's yeah. like and so now we're getting all these details that have never been divulged before. Um, so to tell you the truth, that the fact that they relive that and are trying to re-explain that was just so awesome. I mean, just that alone gives them so many points in my book. So yeah, eight point five, possibly nine, debatably. Yeah. Um, I re- I really and I told Josh this when we were on the phone talking about um, after we finished Cold Vengeance together. I should have um, either re-listened or read Fever Dream before I started Cold Vengeance because I'd forgotten certain parts. Um, so that was that was a mistake by me. But so Cold Vengeance, I would easily give a nine, uh, nine out of ten. There are a few things that I didn't, that kind of got me to roll my eyes a little bit, but... Uh, like Hayward? Eh, yeah, Hayward was just a little bit, but she's she's like a non-entity in the book. Yeah, she is, but it's just the way her view of Pendergast is still, and you're like, what, did, what happened in Fever Dream, man? Yeah, she, she, was supposed, she was supposed to, in Fever Dream, finally get on board with Pendergast. You know, because she kind of gets did it. She she did at the end, but then it seems like she just forgot about all that. Well, because she gets partnered up with Pendergast and actually sees how he works, and he, of course, saves her life like everybody else that he's with. And she still, and then in this book, in Cold Vengeance, she's still not completely on board with him. And I'm just like, come on, what's what's a guy got to do to get you to be loyal to him for a change? Anyway, um. No, the parts that I didn't like, and I'm not going to ruin anything, at least I'm trying not to, is uh, where Pendergast is actually confronted with the main villain in the book two or three times, and circumstances just arise where it doesn't happen, and the villain, of course, gets away, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that just bothered me. I really like all the tension and the build-up to that point, where I'm like, holy crap, Pendergast has got a chance to actually finish this. And then, like, random circumstantial evidence, or not evidence, but circumstantial things happen, like environmental things, like a, like a pedestrian or, or uh, a deer or an elk. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um, liked it. I actually liked that. Did so. you like that? I, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy, you know, people showing up at just the most inopportune time to help somebody else get away. I I like that stuff. All right, that I thought it was that, cool. I thought it kept it more real to where they're not as is- these people aren't out there as, as isolated as you think they are. All right, so. fair enough. I, I just that part of it just kind of, I kind of felt like that the authors were really trying to to push this along and postpone it, and I'm like, ah, oh, come on, let let things play out or something. But anyway, did that, you did you like the reoccurring characters from Fever Dream? From like down in, in uh, Blackwater Swamp or Blackwater Creek or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I don't know how Tiny was in it again. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, they were in there real briefly. That yeah. that's what I mean though. Is it, it's really when when we say trilogy, this this really picks up and builds off of Fever Dream. So, and I and I felt kind of at, at a loss because I really should have 
refresh my mind with Fever Dream because it's been a, over a year since I had listened to it or read it. So that was my bad. Uh, so yeah, I in the end, I would say that Cold Vengeance is a must read. But of course, I have to disclaimer that with you've got to get Fever Dream first and get through that. And the sooner the better so you can suffer with us and wait for book three. <laughs> Um, and as I'm as I'm looking at my computer right now, oh, I, I, I should say this too: Cold Vengeance actually got number one on the New York yes. bestseller bestseller it list. Debuted at number one. That was awesome. It was freaking awesome because you know as as well known and as well popular as these authors are, they haven't had a lot of number ones on the best uh, New York Times bestseller list. I'm trying to remember some of the ones they had. Relic was, I think, and I can't remember some of the other ones, but this was actually a pretty big deal, and the authors on Facebook said, or at least Douglas Preston said, thank you so much, this is a huge honor. So, really, really cool, and I think they deserved it and earned it. I was pretty thrilled for them. And on Amazon, they have 59 reviews, and it's got uh, three and a half, four stars out of five. So it's getting pretty good reviews. It's not like Gideon crap. I mean Gideon sword. Oh so. gosh, man! <laughs> All you people uh, that didn't like the Gideon crew. <sighs> anyway, I I enjoyed it. No, I, I it was all right. But uh, in in comparison to Gold Vengeance or Fever Dream, getting sword just seems like child's play. You know, I don't know. So anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, like we mentioned in the beginning here, uh, Douglas Preston Lincoln Child had a Pendergast Extravaganza live event. It was kind of a celebration of their release of Cold Vengeance. What they did is down in Phoenix, Arizona, they kind of had an auditorium in a hotel and Poison Pen, a bookstore down there, actually hosted it and sponsored it. And they also got some of the authors well, they got Douglas Preston Lincoln Child to sign and personalize some of the books. Josh obviously ordered one and ship them out. And they took an hour to kind of talk and take questions, um, kind of dispel some of the stories and myths that uh, are rumors that have been going around about some of the characters or things they're doing. And we were able to watch it live. Isn't that right, Josh? Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Took me a little while to figure out the technical problems on my end. No, it was, it was all right. We we only missed like five minutes, and it's and it's archived, so you can go to I think it's livestream dot com, search for Douglas Preston Lincoln Child or Pendergast, and you should be able to find it. And it's just approximately an hour long. I think it's a little over an hour, but they talk about some of Pendergast, uh, some of how. The, how that came came to be, how they started, um, what gave them the ideas of starting a character like Aloysius Pendergast, and and some of their thoughts of how to reoccurring characters. Uh, I know Lincoln Child talked a little bit about some one of his solo books, like like Utopia. Um, yep. And what are some of the other things they talked about? They they mentioned Iceland a little bit, and because both neither well we. I don't mind giving the spoiler for this because he popped, this character's popped up in uh, two other series, obviously. So uh, neither of them really understand. When I say neither of them, Lincoln Child or Douglas Preston, 
Neither one of them really have an idea of how Eli Glenn got away from the ship in Ice Limit, how he survived it. And that was kind of funny that they admitted they don't know how he got out of there. Yeah, it was kind of funny because at the end of Ice Limit, uh, like this big catastrophe happens and it kind of leaves you like as a cliffhanger, like, whoa, what happened? And then the main character in that book kind of shows up in other books like, hey, yeah, see, like, hey, hey. <laughs> He's all, he's all he's all in a wheelchair and everything, but hey, yeah, there he, he is. He's got scars and in the wheelchair and all that. But and it was funny when the, the authors mentioned that they're like, "Yeah, we're not we're not even sure how he got out of that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That so was, that's that why was. everybody's like, "We need the ice limit too. We want to figure out. Well, I want to see Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child write themselves out of that <laughs> corner that they put themselves in now." Yeah, they gotta so. have to get all their creative juices flowing and think, "Okay, so how did he get out of that?" <laughs> that would. It would be it would be entertaining. Now they they talked about that, and it was uh, kind of cool to hear him, you know, talk about you know the the new book coming out, Cold Vengeance, and to get a little more background on Pendergast. And yeah, and they they actually talked a little bit about book three. It sounded like they were two- they they I thought they said they were seventy five percent of the way done. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Two thirds, three fourths of the way done. And they don't have a title for it yet. They even said, hey, does anybody have any suggestions? <laughs> Which yeah. is funny because it's like, uh, we kind of have to know what's in the book first, man. Give us a couple yeah. of chapters and maybe we'll... <laughs> why, don't, why don't you give us what you've written and then we'll <laughs> give you a title. Yeah, exactly. If you want, Douglas Presley and Child, if you ever listen to this, which... Yeah, I'm dreaming, but of if course you they do, no, they will, they will. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey, um, why don't you send me the manuscript? I will give you the title when I'm done reading it. I would really appreciate it because my buddy Tom already got me to listen to all your other books so far. So now I'm just sitting here with everybody else waiting for your new book, and Tom's trying to get everybody else to join us because you know misery loves company. Yeah, if you're looking for some uh, some peer review or critic reviews uh, beforehand. Uh, <clears throat> I volunteer uh, I, myself. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind saying that uh, we we would take a preview copy and, and give you some honest feedback. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I really liked about this event is um, how witty and smart they were, and how they they interacted and joked with each other. I mean, they've obviously known and worked with each other for a very long time, and and it I can't imagine that always been on the same page. And it's it was just really good to see them and their back and forth, and they also talked a little bit about uh, some of the things that like Douglas Preston offers to some of the characters in the books, and what Lincoln Child offers to some of the characters in the books, and and stuff like that. And I I don't know, you kind of have to be a fanboy to really get into something like that. But I guess I'm a fanboy, and I really really I was really really digging it, and I really enjoyed it. Any of your final thoughts on the on the live event? Uh, I I think they should do it for every book they put out. I, I thought it was very entertaining. Both me and Tom are really bummed that we couldn't get down there and watch it live, and we loved that they made the made it available to stream. I think they should do it for every book they put out. Oh yeah, I I would, and yeah, me and Josh looked at ways to go down, and it just didn't work out. But if they did another one, we would once again look at finding a way to get out there. Wherever it is, but well, because it it looked like it was going to work out perfect for us. Because me and you both had that weekend off. We both had the Friday and Saturday, and we were like, "Oh, we're going to be able to do it." And then I got scheduled to work, yeah. so it just everything kind of fell through just before we were planning it. So yeah, it, it 
would have been amazing to go, but I, I can't even begin to thank those involved and the sponsors and, and the people that did the technical uh, behind the scenes to give us the streaming option because that was so amazing. That that gives those of us that couldn't make it the chance to watch it. And that, yeah, I can't say thank you enough. So thank you to Poison Pen. I think their website is poisonpen.com or uh, go to Google and do Poison Pen books and uh, buy some books from them. Uh, yeah, I, I highly endorse them. My diversion endorses endorses Poison Pen. How about that? It is poisonpen.com. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, I guess we should uh, wrap up the uh, Preston Child segment here that ran a little long. <laughs> All right. So, let's move on. Segment number two, we're going to do some movie reviews. Uh, I was able to go and catch a few movies uh, in the last week or two. Josh, were you able to watch some movies? Yeah, if you count DVD and Netflix, sure, I picked up a couple. Yeah, well, yeah, it okay. doesn't have to be in the in the theater necessarily. I did I did get to see two movies that are in the theaters or are just leaving the theaters, I should say. Um, so why don't you... Give us one, and I'll give one, and we'll alternate like that. So you start us okay. off. What, what movie? All right. Here's a movie to don't watch. Stay away from it. It was terrible. Uh, I watched Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Um, the first Mortal Kombat wasn't too bad. It was it was okay. Second one sucked. And when I say sucked, I mean it's like the lowest level of suckage you could get. It was terrible. Oh, uh, well, come on. It, it was it was terrible, dude. Wasn't... I, didn't I, it give have, it, I give it a half a star. And didn't it the have, reason why it gets half a star is because it ended. <laughs> didn't it have some of the same characters from the first one? Like Liu Kang and... Uh, well, no, sure. It had all the same characters from the, like, the first one. Well, but, did, it, did it have Raiden? What was his... He's a pretty yeah, big author. It, it, the guy who played Raiden is the guy who plays Dexter's dead dad. He was? Because in the first one, Raiden is... In the first is, one, it was, it was uh, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, but in the second one, it's the guy who plays Dexter's dad. So yeah, uh-huh. it couldn't even get the same actors. It was great. <clears throat> I mean, it sucked. That's what I meant. It you, sucked. You, you say it's on Netflix streaming, right? So no, it's not on Netflix streaming. So don't even if it comes out on Netflix streaming, you don't want to do it. That's, so that's, that's so, two hours of your life. You're not going to get back, people. So that's how two hours? I'm going to die and go. Can I just have that two hours? So still? how did how did you how did you I mean because I'm sure everybody's wondering like okay Josh you hated it so bad why did you well, watch okay, it how did you okay, get well this is what happened so the the new Mortal Kombat game came out on PS3 a couple months ago right so I picked it up and played it it was the game's phenomenal if you guys the game was great and so I was like oh I really like to go back and watch the movie so I watched the first movie and then I was like hey they have a second one because I never paid attention and the second one I was like all right so get that one here and it sucked. <laughs> so that's yeah. Just stay away from that movie, people. Terrible, terrible. Special effects were laughable. Special effects in the first one were way better than the second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. 
two thumbs two thumbs up for Josh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went. I watched Super Eight. I, I went. Uh, I took my daughter and we watched Super Eight in the theater. And I have to give this one uh, high, high marks. I'm going to give it on a one to ten. I would give it an a nice solid eight, maybe nine. This was a great movie. It was. Now I have to give this disclaimer too. If if you're a Steven Spielberg fan, if you like some of his movies like E.T., Goonies, uh, Stand by Me. Um, Close Encounters, The Third Kind. What are some of the Indiana Jones? Uh, all those kinds of feel of movies where, you know, B well, movie. <laughs> what's it? Batteries not included. <laughs> um, how how this movie is is there's a group of kids. There's like five or six kids, and they're filming movies. It's set in the seventies, and they're just kind of filming like uh, like a zombie horror flick. It's just kids having fun. And they get caught up in an actual uh, air force or government conspiracy with with an alien, and I mean it's it's really not very believable. It's it's fairly believable, but not not much. But I I just love that just the like the the homage or just going back to that sort of feel like ET and uh, Stand by Me and, and Goonies where the kids were kind of wrapped up in stuff that are way above their head, but they still pull through and they do the right thing in the end and show the adults that you guys can't even do it right. It just, I don't know. It, it really brought a smile to my face. There were parts in it that were definitely kind of scary for kids, but, uh, and they're, and the kids swear <laughs> it's PG 13, but it was, Oh yeah. I, I highly recommend super eight. Definitely. I loved okay. it. Um, so another movie I, I watched, um, this one also came in the mail from Netflix. Uh, I watched Predators. Oh yeah. I, you haven't, but actually, it. actually I, what I, what happened was I actually watched Alien vs. Predator Requiem. I own Alien vs. Predator. Then I watched Alien vs. Predator Requiem that came from Netflix. And then I watched Predators and Alien vs. Predator Requiem was absolute garbage. Don't bother. <laughs> okay. Predators um, had had an interesting premise where they they grab what they consider some of our major you know military peoples around the world. It's um, so it's not what I've heard that it was a reboot of the first one, right? No, it's not because what it is is the um, because they actually relate a little bit from the first movie Predator. Like they kind of talk about it a little bit in this movie. Okay. Um, so what happened was they they go around they grab like some like assa- assassins, snipers, warlords, that kind of a guy from who was on death row. And when they grab these, what I mean by the people that grab these guys, the predators, the alien race grabs these people and puts them on one of their planets that they use as a hunting preserve. But they've also grabbed other. Aliens. Now, when I say aliens, don't think of the aliens from the mo- from the aliens and you know, like the xenomorphs, like that predator versus aliens. Not you mean, the, you mean like the aliens that have the blood that's acid, right? No, I mean just like other aliens, like just these other life forms, like you. little Martians. Not little, come on, <laughs> dude. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it. Just, so, okay. It's it just another thing that another race that they want to hunt if you will all right another species that they want to hunt and and so the people are trying to figure out why they're on this planet what's going on 
and somebody has an idea, but you don't find that out until about two thirds of the way through, and like they've the idea of who's actually hunting them and what's going on. But it's uh, it was all right. It wasn't too bad. It was it was fun. But there's like it's interesting when you see the like a super predator. It was kind of cool. Super predator? Did he have a cape? No. <laughs> Hey, but, but just, just so you know, here, here's a spoiler alert for you. Just so you know, Morpheus was in it, and he died like a little bitch. Morpheus? I thought Danny Glover was in it, you know, from Lethal No, Bi- that's Predator 2, buddy. No, Morpheus was in it. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, Morpheus. And he, and he died like a little bitch. <laughs> Why do you have to say that? Because he, he's not. He's freaking You haven't cool. seen that movie, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Take your shots while you can. I will. All right, so uh, Predators, uh, 1 to 10, what would you give it? Uh, 7. Oh, so you actually enjoyed it. Okay. I, I was, uh, I was, I was thinking it's got to suck. 6.5. No, it wasn't. It didn't suck. It was 6.5, 7. It was, it was all right. The Alien versus Predator Requiem, give it a 2. Okay. It, yeah, yeah. Don't bother. And you're an Alien versus Predator kind of fan, right? You enjoy that. I, I'm an Aliens fan fan and i'm a predators fan i don't think they should have i mean I, I think it's kind of cool that they meshed i don't think they should have ever made movies i like that they just kind of you know meshed in comic books and i thought that was kind of interesting okay all right uh, the other movie that i saw i, I took my son to see I, I went on a on a date with my daughter then of course my son got jealous so i had to take him we went and saw green lantern in 3d all right. Uh, first, I should say, of all the superheroes, and Josh even knows this, of all the superheroes that are out there, or comic book heroes or whatever, uh, Green Lantern was actually my favorite as a kid. I mean, I, I don't know. I just always dug Green Lantern. He had Because he had a ring, and he could, like, do whatever he wanted with it. Um, this movie has Ryan Reynolds uh, from National Lampoons. <laughs> what was that movie where he was in it? <laughs> And he was also in a Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock movie. Um, he was Green Lantern. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think how to describe this movie. It was disappointing. How about that? I really was looking forward to it. It had a lot of potential. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, it, some of it was the story's fault. Some of it was the fact that the superhero just is a little way a little too unrealistic <laughs> like batman and spider-man are like superheroes you're like yeah yeah that, that could happen this one this one's a little <laughs> a little more far-fetched and it was a little harder for me to believe as an adult and i'm like oh yeah okay oh all right well what do you give it on a scale of one to ten i would give it a five Okay. Maybe four and a half. It's, I mean, as far as superhero movies go, it wasn't the worst. It certainly wasn't the best. Um, in the, it, by the time it was over, I was kind of like, okay, um, I'm really, this is basically the message I got from it, is I thought, all right, I, I'm tired of superhero movies at this point. And I know, and we're just getting saturated with them, dude. I mean, yeah, we got Captain America's out. America, we got Thor. I, I still want to see Thor. I heard that was pretty good. Um, Iron Man. I mean, 
Jeez, dude. Sp- and there's a reboot of Spider-Man X-Men, now? X-Men, X-Men First Class. They're doing the new Batman movie. Yeah, well, I don't... Okay, I, I have to leave Batman alone because I, I really like the Batman reboot movies. I really like those. Um, but yeah, and and they're doing a new... Sp- there's a new Superman reboot. I, I don't know, dude. I'm getting tired of it. It's it's burning me out. <laughs> I mean, I really wanted Green Lantern to kick all the other superheroes' asses, you know. Okay. And he just kind of, eh. It was a, it was a total shrug my shoulders like that was it. All right. So I mean, wait till it comes out on DVD and works its way through the queue. If you guys want to watch Green Lantern and and the 3D was. I wasn't. I was wearing glasses. How about that? I don't remember a lot of 3D in it. That's kind of like, oh yeah, ooh wow, okay, uh, no, yeah, okay. Um, do you want me to go on another movie that I watched recently? Did you see another one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I made it through this movie. Tom says he only made it 45 minutes through. Um, oh, I watched, there I watched, we go. I watched Night and Day. Um, and I've heard terrible reviews about this movie. Yeah, I, I, I just, gave you a terrible review on this. Yeah, movie. you did. My my buddy Mike gave me a terrible review. Um, he he said it, he said it sucked as well. Um, but I got it from Netflix. Keep pumping Netflix. I like it, even though they jacked their prices up. Um, <laughs> so I put it in, and uh, I'm thinking. I told my wife as we both sit down to watch. I go, Tom only made it 45 minutes the way through, hun. So we might be turning this off and going to bed early. And uh, I made it all the way through. I actually enjoyed it. I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, there, Cameron Diaz isn't hot. She hasn't been since The Mask. That was the only movie she was even good looking in. And or something about Mary's debatably that she was. Nah, she wasn't. I didn't. I didn't like her in that one either. Okay, so so this is this is Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I, me and my wife couldn't even make it 30, 45 minutes into it, and we had to shut it off. And mind you, I don't turn movies off much. Usually I I have to be like, all right, I, I started it, I got it, I got to finish it. So it doesn't happen too much. That movie did it, dude. It killed me. I had... Ugh. So what did you like about it? <laughs> <laughs> I just... I just... I, I thought it was just kind of a fun movie. I just I was it was so it was like Mission Impossible, right? With Cameron Diaz in it. No, because it's more of a almost like a comedy spoof. Like he's the super agent that can just do all these incredible things because he's a <laughs> badass and he can keep some little chick alive. And yeah, it's so believable. Feel right? like a, yeah, that's what I mean. It was just a fun little movie that's never real. It's never going to happen. So don't worry about it. Okay, did you like the Mission Impossible movies? Um. Let's see. The first one was the best. Was, was yeah, it was the best. The second one was okay. Nah, the second one actually sucked. I, I really okay. To those up, people fuck. that to those to those people that know me, the three listeners that we have, <laughs> um, I, I own motorcycles, so I ride motorcycles, so I know a little bit about motorcycles. And the very end of of Mission Impossible 2, if you watch, their tires keep changing from smooth, slick ones to nubby ones. So Wasn't that in 3, or was that in 2? That's in 2. The third one is where he's his girlfriend, he thinks, got killed at the very beginning, and then you go back I, in time. And honestly yeah. don't remember, I because... Two, three—is there a fourth one out there, or is they, they, are they making, making it? I think they're making okay. it. Okay, 
But uh, yeesh, two and three. Ugh. Hey, well, while we're at it, though, do you want to uh, do you want to at least mention a movie that you're interested in that's coming out? And I'll mention one that I'm interested in that's coming out. Uh, like, what do you mean, Dragon Tattoo? Well, no, I, no, whatever you want, whatever movie you want. Well, well, hang on. I, I just want to say, Night and Day. Uh, I would give that a one, maybe two. You would give yeah. it four and a half to five. It's worth a watch, but it's nothing great. Um, it was fun. It was fun. Movies that are coming that are coming out. Um, well, you don't need to mention Dragon Tattoo. If we actually have three or four listeners, they already know that we're pumped about those movies. <laughs> so. Actually, we have more than three or four listeners, dude. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's we only have more than three or four if you count us. <laughs> Why are you listening to this? I'm not listening to this crap. <laughs> anyway, uh, new movies that are coming out. Um, honestly, I can't think. Um, I know I've seen trailers for stuff. Like when I was at the movie theater, um, I'm trying to think of movies that I saw. They're coming out. There wasn't a lot that I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely need to see that. Well, here's here's one that I want to see, and I, I don't think too many people know anything about it yet. Um, so. If I told you this actress, maybe you can tell me if you know the movie that's coming out. Mm. Her her name is Numi Rapace. She played the original Elizabeth Salander. <laughs> okay. No. Do you, know I... what, do you know what movie she's going to be in that's coming out? And it's going to be her first English-speaking role? I don't know. What? The movie's going to be called Prometheus. Okay. I, have I not told you about this? No. This it's, is the first I've heard about it. It's the Alien prequel. A- alien like with the Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver? Alien? Yes, but it's the prequel, and she's in it. Prequel? Yes. Huh. All right. Yes, uh, Ridley Scott's doing it. When is this one scheduled to be out? Ridley Scott's doing it? Yeah. It's gonna, okay, so, so it's going to be done right, so obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be done right. So uh, when's the um, release date? June of 2012. Oh, <laughs> are you serious? You, Dude, you, I'm you stoked, us a, though, man. I'm so excited for it. it. Dragon Tattoo's at least in December. You give us a movie a year from now? Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> hey. oh, oh, but there's a movie out that I do want to see. is Cowboys and Aliens. I do. Yes, we both, we both want to go see that. Yes, we do. And Cars 2. I haven't seen Cars 2 yet. <laughs> Me neither. So. All right. Segment number three. final segment uh we're going to talk a little bit about the hunger games suzanne collins is that the author or is it yeah it's suzanne collins i don't know suzanne collins the author of hunger games book two is called catching fire by the way okay so the hunger games this these books have been out for a while um i actually listened to all three books oh maybe a year or so ago does that one do you remember because I was telling you about it, but I can't remember. Because you were backed up with books, and you're like, oh, "I'll get to it eventually." And then we got caught up in Preston Child books, and and finally you're like, "Okay, uh, I just went through Cold Vengeance twice. So do you have anything else that I should listen to?" And I was like, "Yeah, you should get through Hunger Games." All right. So you just listened to it just recently. So give us give us kind of a breakdown of what it is, and then give us a quick review, and then I'll. Okay, so it's. Uh... Like a plot, the plot yeah, just is just a brief one. Okay, uh, it's in the future. Um, 
the U.S. has been decimated through some kind of a global war, and there's a, a new country that's taken over. It's called Panama, and you have districts that have been set up in Panama. So you have the capital, which runs everything, and they're like the Almighty. And then there were 13 districts, and the districts kept trying to have wars with Panama, and they set it up to where those are now like concentration camps. And uh, now there's only 12 districts because the capital tried to make everybody step in line by destroying the 13th district. The capital is like a city that's yeah. up in the... Well, yeah, yeah. just think of it as Washington, D.C. running everybody's yeah. little... Oh, wait, it's exactly like that. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so the Hunger Games is, is they... The districts, every year, they have to give up... Um, uh, two people from there to that from between the age of 12 and 18 is that right that sounds about right yeah they they have to enter their name into a drawing and if they're drawn you don't win the lottery you have to go and fight in their little you know rumble pit mma kind of thing where yeah, you like have to relax. kill the other 23 people in there and if you kill them hey now you're a celebrity and you get to live at the capital or in your district is like this holy person that has all kinds of money and wealth and everything. And yeah, it's basically the reality game show Survivor. Exactly. For, exactly. Literally Survivor, because only one person leaves alive. Everybody And uh, it has an, an ugly little uh, love triangle twist in it and everything. But it's, uh, it was, it was, I liked it. I was, I was very entertained by the first book. Uh, hope my buddy Tom hooks me up. Oh, wait, he has hooked me up with the second one, so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, so why? Sorry, I interrupted. What? So, what would you rate this one on a one to ten? I give it an eight. Give it an eight. That's actually pretty high. Yeah. Um, I would actually rate this one a seven or eight as well. Uh, the reason why I like this book is the author really portrays um, a lot of a lot of raw emotion fairly well. Um, because when she gets the main character's name, the little girl, her name's Katniss. And she actually enters the games. I'm not ruining anything because it's the beginning of the book. She enters the games because her her sister gets chosen and she wants to take her place. So she kind of sacrifices herself and puts herself in the games. And uh, you're kind of following her from her point of view. And the way she captures her perspective and, and uh, some of the raw emotions and... And her skills, and because she was a hunter and stuff like that, I I really enjoyed it because of the rawness of it all. Because once the killing and stuff like that happens, it really does feel kind of like a war zone kind of thing, um, where people are just living off instincts and stuff like that. And I I really get into that kind of stuff where it feels real and it feels raw. I really got into that. The downside of it is for those of you that like Twilight. Um, Josh, you mentioned this a minute ago. There is kind of a love triangle kind of a thing going on, and that drives me crazy. It, it's really not very prominent in the first book too much. It does play a little bit towards the end, obviously. But, it drives uh, Tom crazy because he's Team Edward. Team Edward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but in the next book, um, and even in the third book, this kind of continues on, and it drives me insane. It, it's, yeah, that's 
that's actually my biggest complaint about all three of these books is this love interest triangle mess that's very ominous to the twilight where there's a girl and she's she's got to decide between these the two hottest most skilled most beautiful men in the whole world who to choose from which one will give you the vampire baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so that's actually my biggest complaint is that but um i really like the storyline it seems fairly believable where it's post-apocalyptic and in the future and where things get really really bad and and everything gets divided into an, an upper upper elite class and then there's the very very poor and neglect classes in the district and it's kind of reminiscent of like uh mad max and stuff like that i i i was digging it i i mean yeah seven or eight for me okay. are you looking are you looking forward to the rest of the the books because i've actually yeah. got oh, i am two I and am. three so. well especially since they're making it into a, the, the first one's being made into a movie right now so yeah as as i'm looking online right now um dude woody harrelson's gonna play Hamish. Is that what it says? Yeah. Wow. Does it say who's who's playing Katniss? Uh, Katniss is being played by just one second. I was just right there. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know who that is. And Josh Hutcherson is playing Peta. Hmm. And Elizabeth Banks is in it. Your favorite. Elizabeth Banks. Who is that? She's she, she's is, she isn't she the one? Oh, freaking a! What movie is she in? Yeah, she's in uh, <laughs> she's in uh, Crank and Crank Two. Oh, brother! Yeah, I, I really thought you liked her. Yeah, she's playing Effie Trinket. So, who was Cinna? I'm trying to remember who Cinna is. Is is he the guy who made the costumes for him as they go into the arena? Yes, that's that's being played by Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not so excited for the movie anymore. No, it, I think I, I would definitely want to see the movie. The movie's oh, scheduled yeah. to come out yeah, spring of 2012, so we still have some time. It's going to be coming out before Josh's movie, <laughs> the Prometheus. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if they're does it say whether they're scheduled to do all three movies or are they just doing one and then they're going to see how uh, it goes. I don't know. All I know is that they're doing one. And the and the thing about these two is, and you you tell me whether you agree with this or not, Josh. Do you think they're kind of aimed for a, a kind of a teen crowd, or do you think? Oh, they're... actually, actually, they are making Catching Fire into a movie for 2013, November 2013. Okay, so they are scheduled to make it. Okay. Yeah. So, do you think these these books or this book in particular uh, is aimed for kind of a young adult teen crowd? Oh yeah, it's aimed for probably. You know, thirteen to sixteen-year-old girls. <laughs> Come on, dude. I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Oh, oh, crap! That's exactly who it's geared toward. I don't know because there, there's a lot of uh, nuanced story in it where it, it's uh, a lot there of background. No, there, was, there was no adult swearing or anything like that in the book at all. There isn't zero. The only reason why, just because the violence in it is pretty heavy. Would you agree? Yeah, sure, but there's a lot of violence in Lord of the Flies, and I was forced to read that when I was in junior. Forced? That's a good book, dude. That's a good book. 
this in junior high you're forced to read books dude you're not you're not into reading books you're forced to read them all right you, you get to read them when you're older when you actually give a shit. so fair enough all right uh so yeah uh we'll i guess we'll get josh to give a, a quick brief review when he gets through book two and th- book three um and maybe if we're lucky we'll we'll start to see josh sprout some of his estrogen wings <laughs> by the time he's done with it <laughs> and maybe 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 he'll be able to read the twilight series by then too no Congra- thank you congratulations no no thank you oh so. well while while we're doing a, um some of these uh book reviews let's review one more book that we both just finished you're welcome thank thank you for the <laughs> reminder the little the little message there dude um, we both actually finished this book. I got the audiobook. It's uh, a book from Ben Mesrick. It's called Sex on the Moon, the, the Story of the Most Audacious Heist in History. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah how can it not sound right, dude? You're stealing... The guys tri- The guys stole the most... Okay, okay, hang on. The hang most on. rare substance <laughs> on the planet right now. Yeah, because it's not from this planet. Exactly. The, the way the story works, and it's and it's based on real events or true events, um, which is a shame for me because I didn't even know about this story honestly until I had heard this until the author until I heard the author being interviewed, um, and he talks about the story. How how it works is there was a guy. He's he's a former Mormon. He went to University of Utah. He actually he's a gets moron. yeah moron too. He gets accepted into NASA, into the elite program, uh, starts to train as a legitimate NASA astronaut, and he starts moving up and up and up and up and up. He um, was doing some of the coolest things you could ever imagine. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he was, oh. he, he was in programs that people just would give their life to get into, and he's in it. And what ends up happening is he kind of gets caught up, and... Well, he just ends up stealing some of the moon rocks, and just because you know if they're laying around and they're garbage. Yeah, what? So he steals some moon rocks from NASA and actually gets away with it. Well, I, I he, well, he, he get, didn't get away with. Yeah, them. he he steals the moon rocks, and <laughs> then he tried for a couple of days, and then he tries to sell them. And this this is what actually got got him caught is he actually tried to sell some of the moon rocks if if he wouldn't have tried to sell them dude he could have totally gotten away with it but he tried he tried to sell them and you don't think it would have been weird when he doesn't show up back to the swimming pool to do some more nasa work and they're like where did he disappear to i don't know maybe he stole a safe full of moon rocks no if he if he would have not turned if he would have not tried to sell them and just kept them i don't think he would have gotten caught anyway so, if it wasn't for this really good Belgium guy, rock collector, that actually turned him in, um, he's actually the hero in the book, in my opinion. Uh, he gets caught and goes to jail. Good. And he also, in the story, and I, and I don't know how true this is, but it sounds pretty true to me, is he ends up getting kind of caught up with a girl and the girl is all for it and kind of helps and assists and he ends up kind of doing the the thievery or stealing the rocks to appease her and yeah yuck anyway i actually really really dug the book i i i i was digging it i'd give it four out of five stars i would give it a seven or eight out of ten 
It's a nonfiction book. Uh, I was pretty entertained, but during the book, I spent more time just shaking my head. Like, dude, 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 you had, I mean, you had it all. You, you, he had turned his life around and was headed in such an awesome direction. And then he just freaking made one of the most stupid mistakes. Like, well, yeah, me and you were talking like, cause you were like, the guy's a genius. Like he's, Oh, he's a straight, started, he's a straight up genius. Yeah. He was doing all kinds of string theory theories and stuff now why he was in prison and everything. But you're like, he's, he's this genius. He's really smart. Oh yeah. He's a genius with absolutely zero street smarts. The guy did some of the dumbest things to flush his entire life down the toilet. After he had turned it around, he flushed it all down the toilet. Yeah. And, freaking moron is what went through my mind and and uh, I don't mind giving the spoiler out when the, the, one of the big things that happens is because he kept calling it kind of like this college prank or whatever at least that's how the author was making it sound was the guy kept thinking oh it's not going to be that long in prison it's just kind of like a college prank Yeah. and the judge kind of says well under this statute we can hit you with this much more and it kind of shocked him and all of his uh, why he's waiting for sentencing and he's still in prison all of his he's in prison for what 17 months or something like that and all of the other inmates are like oh you're only going to get like two to five years he ends up getting sentenced to a hundred months and when I heard the announce in the book when I heard that he got sentenced to a hundred months I actually out loud went yeah because for crying out loud he deserved it I mean what went through my mind is I'm like the rocks that they that he stole, NASA well NASA didn't call him garbage. Some other person in NASA said that they were garbage. So he said, "Oh, they label him as garbage, so I might as well take them." Yeah, because they're just garbage because they've already been out and tested, and they're out in the open oxygen air, and because yeah, for, they they can't use them for anything else anymore. And and we're not talking whole rocks here. We're talking like very like dust fragments, kind of a thing. Yeah, just dust right? samples, pebbles, kind of and things like like tiny, tiny, tiny amounts here. I think he said he stole like a hundred grams, is what he had, or something like that. Yeah, or something something really, really, really small is what he basically had a whole bunch of different samples of. Anyway. What just blew my mind is why he thought he should be entitled to them over anybody else. I mean, don't you think that the actual astronauts that picked him up would be like, well, hey, can I have one? I mean, I actually was the one who picked it up off the freaking rock up yeah, there. Can I have one? And what, the, no, sorry, you can't. What really turned me off from wanting to defend this guy was when in the safe because he they, they end up breaking into the safe that has these lunar samples that he's going to steal these moon rocks and I didn't know this because I, I was completely naive to the story is there was a sample from the first moon landing with Neil Armstrong and he ended up taking that sample as well mm-hmm. um, that that to me I mean I, I don't know anybody that would disagree but that's a national worldwide treasure well, but I mean, not only that, but those, these weren't the only things that this guy stole in his life. I mean, he stole fossils from U of U and things like yeah, that. Yeah, he, he stole. He he was he was really being um, selfish and uh, really taking advantage of the situations that he was being entrusted. It's a, it was a shame. It's a sad story, but it's a. Re- I mean, overall, the book is really good for a nonfiction book. It, I was enthralled and I really enjoyed it. 
Um, and it made me want to research this story more and find out more details and stuff about it. But I enjoyed it. It, it does. It, it did bring this thought up in my mind, though. If there's so many of those rocks, moon rocks or, you know, whatever, lunar dust or whatever that we have, that is worth so much money that NASA puts a dollar amount on that it's actually worth because they tried to NASA tried to say that it was actually worth, what, $10 million what he stole? Something like Something that. Something yeah. like that. Um, if that much is worth that much money, um, I don't know, and they have, what, 800 pounds of it or something like that is what they said they actually have from all the moon landings, something like that. Um, I don't know and, about 800, but yeah, something pretty big. Well, that's not what he stole, but I think they say they still have like 800 pounds right. of it that's still testable and they can do research on it, stuff like that. Um, I don't know, some of this, after you do tests on it and there's people that still want to buy it, what would be wrong with NASA selling it? Because, you know, Obama did really good, you know, flushing the space program down the toilet. Right All right. Now. Hang All on. Right. But wouldn't it be kind of cool to see NASA go, oh, well, we'll sell this just to fund some other programs we want to do now? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think we should go back to space. Well, I maybe, I, maybe maybe we really could land on the moon this time. I, I'm I'm all for uh, making space and NASA more well funded, and I want to see them continue to succeed. I mean, I I want to be alive when I see a project where man tries to uh, step on Mars. I want to I want to be alive when that to see that happen. I really do, and I think that we have the technology and, and the and the ability to do it. Um, it's just all about the funding now, and that frustrates me. So I, I agree with you. What was your What was your review of uh, Sex on the Moon by Ben Mesrick? Oh, I give it a seven and a half. I was good. entertained. Good for a nonfiction book, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't do many nonfictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't as good as Monster Florence though. <laughs> it was still pretty good. Okay, so in this episode, in episode eight of my diversion, we had. Cold Vengeance uh, and, and a Preston Child Love Fest. We talked a little bit about the their uh, Pendergast extravaganza in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And we reviewed Fever Dream and Cold Vengeance. Highly recommended. Book three will be out next year. Sooner the better, guys. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're, we, at least we get another Gideon crew. Yeah. So. Well, I, I'm not going to complain about that. And then uh, we reviewed some movies. We talked about like Super 8. Uh, Josh thinks Night Night Day was the best movie ever. And <laughs> easy. What was the other movie? Oh yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You thought it was sucked. great. It uh, Green Lan- Green Lantern wasn't the best or the worst superhero movie. But come on, movie guys, let's let's lay off the superheroes for a while. Can we just get some original storylines out there for a change? That's why. Re- that's why Super Eight was so good. By the way, that was one of the reasons. So refreshing and good. Don't forget Predators. That was that was pretty decent. Predators. So. And then we reviewed Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Both gave it above average. Uh, and then we talked about uh, Ben Mesrick's Sex on the Moon. That was we did good coverage on stuff. I think. Yeah, we did. We did a pretty good review episode. Um, and we got a little fanboy at the beginning. Apologize, but. Basically, what we're trying to say with that segment is you guys really need to read some Douglas Preston Lincoln Child. Give them a shot. If you guys are book book readers, you should give them a shot. If you're not book readers, go listen to their books. (laughs) That way you're covered. Yeah. All right. Any final words from you, man? No. I'm I'm good. Um, I think uh, once we get uh, Tom to work on our website again, uh, that gooey butter cake recipe should be on there. So... All right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
So make sure you contact us. We'll we'll start doing some feedback and uh, and stuff like that. You can email us, uh, Tom or Josh at My Diversion. You can also go to our website at MyDiversion.com. Go to the t- contact page there. Um, and huge props and shout outs to Jonathan Pope, our artist, our musician. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you later. See ya. You have been listening to the My Diversion Podcast. Find us on the web at mydiversion.com. The music for this episode was provided by Jonathan Pope.